everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes. Again, my name is Brian, and I have been a die-hard Yankees fan since I was about seven years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes is to preserve the rich history of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. Um, so, uh, today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the final two games of the 1949 baseball season between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. The day before they played, because it was only a two-game series, which is a little bit different, obviously, than now, but this was back in 1948, or 1949, rather, and uh, the day before, the Yankees had actually lost to the Philadelphia A's, and, um, and actually, in that game, Casey Stengel was asked about, you know, obviously, the Red Sox taking over first place, and the Yankees had been in first place for a very long time. Um, actually, October 1st was also going to be Joe DiMaggio Day, um, which was planned months in advance when the Yankees were in, ahead by by a, a lot of games over the Red Sox back in like June or May or something like that. Anyways, he was asked um, after that loss to the Philadelphia A's, the uh, moving moving out of first place, and he said that one thing he was actually he said that he was actually glad that he didn't get to use left-handed pitcher Joe Page because um, I guess he felt like Joe Page would be very useful for him in the next day's game against the Red Sox. And Joe Page at the time was not really even a starting pitcher. He was like a super reliever, kind of like a Romero Mendoza from the 1996-1998 Yankees um, back in the late 90s, 2000, and um, and also uh, Luis Arroyo as well. He was very similar to those two type guys. And I guess he also went on to say, and this was um, reported by the Boston Herald back then by an AP uh, Associated Press writer, and um, I guess the the Boston writers were very skeptical, especially this guy, but Casey Stengel said that um, he felt that the Yankees would beat the tar out of the Red Sox in the next two games. Um, so, and I mean, obviously the beat writer had a right to, to be skeptical about it because the Red Sox had finally clawed their way back to first place. Um, so, um, but before that, um, 1948, moving back a year now, the Yankees had, they had a one game lead with five games left in the 1948 season. And they ended up losing to the Boston Red Sox at the end of the year. The Red Sox had tied the Indians and played in the play playing game against the Indians. The Indians won. They went on to win the pennant and they won the World Series, actually. That's the last time the Cleveland Indians or Cleveland Guardians now have um, ever won a World Series in 1948. Um, I believe Larry Doby, the first African-American, um, the first African-American to play in the American League, um, uh, he was an outfielder. I believe he was on that 1948 Cleveland Indians team that won the World Series. Um, but so moving on, October 1st, 1949, um, Boston Red Sox were facing the New York Yankees in Yankee Stadium, um, kind of reminiscent of like 1978 with that playing game, or even this past year, I guess, uh, with with you know the play the wild card game. Um, of course, you know the stakes were a little bit different. Um, circumstances were a little bit different too. Um, however, because it was Joe DiMaggio Day, there were also some other things that were um, added to the pregame and. Remember, the Yankees had a big lead in 1949. Um, they, they were in first place by uh, by a lot, and I don't think anybody even came close to them until you know the Red Sox finally passed them up on 
uh, by for the October 1st game. Um, so the Yankees had planned to have Joe DiMaggio Day on October 1st, 1949, before the game with the Red Sox. Um, they actually had a, a special train coming from New Haven. They called it the Joe DiMaggio Special, um, a train from New Haven, Connecticut, to, uh, of course, Yankee Stadium um, in New York City. And it, I guess it transported 700 fans in a nine-car passenger train. Um, Ethel Merman um, and Frank Sinatra were there. Uh, I, I guess Joe DiMaggio's mom, his dad was there. His brothers, Tom, Dom, and Joe Jr., uh, his son, was there. Dom DiMaggio, of course, was playing for the Red Sox at that time as well. And I guess Dom DiMaggio, because Joe had been, he had been, he had been ill for a, a good portion of the year because he had pneumonia, and he actually had trouble standing up a little bit. So his brother Dom DiMaggio was on the field with him for the ceremony, um, but you know somehow DiMaggio was able to still play in the game. He just wasn't the same Joe DiMaggio that we were all they were all accustomed to seeing play back in like 1941, um, 1936, all those great years that he had. Um, you know he was he was kind of a shell of him of himself. Um, but anyways, like I said. They, they are honoring Joe DiMaggio that day. It had been planned for quite a while. Um, I guess they, they they really showered Joe DiMaggio with tons of gifts. Uh, some of the things that they gave him ended up getting donated, a lot of them actually. He actually got um, three gallons of ice cream, which was donated to a children's hospital. Also, on behalf of Joe DiMaggio, the Yankees sent money to the Heart Foundation and Cancer Fund. Um, they also gave him a speedboat. They gave him uh, a bunch of a bunch of stuff. They gave him a Cadillac, a Dodge. Um, they actually gave him a bicycle for his son. And they also even gave him TV sets, more than one TV set. Um, like I said, Dom DiMaggio, his brother, uh, Joe Jr., his son was there. Um, he, he uh, of course, because Joe was recovering from pneumonia. Joe DiMaggio gave his infamous speech, which um, entailed the quote, um, I'd like to thank the good Lord for making me a Yankee. They had that feel that Joe DiMaggio was going to end up retiring because I think a lot of people thought they could see the writing on the wall, obviously, especially with, you know, he, he was at the end of his playing career. He wasn't playing nearly as well. Anyways, the American League had actually had six umpires for this weekend series against the Red Sox in Yankee Stadium. Um, Joe McCarthy was the manager for the Boston Red Sox in 1948. The starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox on October 1st, 1949, was Mel Parnell. He won 25 games th that year, 1949. The Red Sox two pitchers on the last two games of the year were Mel Parnell, who was basically their number one starter. Ellis Kinder um, was going to pitch on Sunday for the Red Sox. Um, and the Yankees, Casey Stengel, decided to go with um, Allie Reynolds in one game and Joe DiMaggio told the Yankees uh, I guess the reason why of how they ended up getting Allie Reynolds was that Joe DiMaggio told the Yankees front office back in 1946 to go out and get him because I guess I and I guess they uh, they obviously did because when Joe DiMaggio says something I mean I guess Joe DiMaggio saw him pitch um, I'm not sure who Allie Reynolds was pitching with before he came to the Yankees but whoever it was you know, Joe DiMaggio must have been extremely impressed. Um, he was a hard thrower as well, and I think he ended up pitching a couple no-hitters for the New York Yankees as well. Um, but anyways, October 1st 
was Allie Reynolds and Mel Parnell of the Boston Red Sox, who won 25 games that year for the Red Sox. Um, uh, so Allie Reynolds had an off game, and as I said before, uh, Casey Stengel was glad he was able to save Joe Page from his last game when they lost to the Philadelphia A's, even though they had lost that game and ended up you know, losing the uh, first place lead. Um, so because Allie Reynolds, you know, he got hit pretty good, I guess, um, and he really didn't have a very good game. Um, it was one nothing. the Red Sox after one. Johnny Pesky scored on a sack fly by Vern Stevens. And in the second inning, um, Allie Reynolds gave up a walk and a hit uh, to Johnny Lindell, um, which I guess he ended up not giving up any runs after that. And in the third inning, with one out, he walked Johnny Pesky, Ted Williams as well, and then Vern Stevens. And Bobby Doerr then hit an RBI single, and then it was three to another thing, and then that's when Casey Stengel goes to the bullpen and brings in Joe Page, the left-handed starting or left-handed pitcher. And, of course, that's that that was um, what uh, Casey Stengel was hoping to do. Of course, well, maybe not hoping to do, but that's what he, he was glad that he had him. Uh, but it was 3 nothing Red Sox, though. Going back a little bit, Joe Page had pitched for the former Yankees manager, who was now manager of, at that time in 1949 for the Red Sox, Joe McCarthy. He pitched for him in 1944 with the Yankees. And I guess he ended up getting into a shouting match with Joe McCarthy on a team flight. And that's kind of what led to the firing of Joe McCarthy. Of course, uh, Joe, Joe McCarthy also had some, especially toward the end of his Yankees tenure, him and, the, him, and him and ownership really didn't get along at all after, you know, Jacob Rupert sold the team. I think to uh, I think it was Lee McPhail and um, a couple other guys. But anyways, um, so uh, so Joe McCarthy ended up getting fired after that. So it was kind of interesting that Joe Page um, ended up pitching in such a big game against, you know, his former manager. And Joe Page was, like I said, Joe Page was very similar to Luis Arroyo. Um, and Luis Arroyo had won 15 games in 1961. In 1947, Joe Page had actually set the record for relievers with 14 wins, which was later broken by uh, Luis Arroyo in 1961. And of course, that was an American League record at the time. Um, so now now I believe the record is... I believe Luis Arroyo still has the record, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, uh, anyways, moving forward, the first batter that um, Joe Page had faced, he was left in a pitcher, he faced Al Zaria, who I believe was an outfielder for the Boston Red Sox. He actually walked him. He walked the next batter, Billy Goodman, uh, with one out, so they weren't all. He wasn't off to a great start. It was uh, he let in another run, bases were loaded. It was four to nothing Red Sox. I guess at this point in time, the Red Sox wives, at the time, I guess the Red Sox wives didn't actually travel with the team back then, and they had to be told to uh, to because if the Red Sox were going, if they if the Red Sox won, they would have they would have clinched the division, um, and I guess. They usually told the wives to come down on a train to meet them by the end of the game, which is what they did. So at that moment, even though it was only the third inning um, and it was 4 nothing, so the Red Sox front office had ended up telling the Red Sox wives to board a train to New York to celebrate the um, Red Sox winning the division. Um, but then... Uh, from that moment on is when Joe Page really kind of flipped the switch. Um, he, he struck out 
both Bertie Tebbets and pitcher uh, Mel Parnell. And um, so then Joe Page came in on the end, the next inning, in the fourth inning, and he had a one, two, three inning, um, getting Dom DiMaggio, Johnny Pesky, and Ted Williams in order that inning. Then it was still four to nothing, bottom of the fourth. Mel Parnell was still in for the Boston Red Sox. So leading off the bottom of the fourth inning against Mel Parnell was Joe DiMaggio, who hit a ground rule double. And the next batter, Hank Bauer, right-handed hitter, I believe he was a right fielder, um, he hit an RBI single, and the Yankees were on the board, um, thanks to Hank Bauer, who was a very clutch player. So it was 4-1 to one Red Sox at that time in the bottom of the fourth. Then Johnny Lindell, who I believe was their first baseman um, in that game, uh, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. He hit a single, moving Hank Bauer to third base, and then there was a sack fly by Jerry Coleman, the second baseman for the Yankees, and um, he got the game to 4-2 to two Red Sox. And then after that, you know, they ended up, the Red Sox ended up getting out of it, so it was still 4-2. to two. In the fifth inning, Joe Page um, had just walked a batter. It was actually the, the sixth batter that the Yankees pitching staff between uh, Reynolds and Joe Page had walked. Um, he ended up getting a, a double play turned on uh, Vern Stevens, um, and it was, a, I guess it was a really nice play by uh, Phil Rizzuto, the scooter, the shortstop, flipping it to the second baseman, Jerry Coleman, to um, turn a nice 6-4-3 double play. So then going into the bottom of the fifth inning, the Yankees had ended up, they found a way to chase Mel Parnell, the Red Sox ace. Um, they had three singles, Phil Rizzuto, Tommy Heinrich, and Yogi Berra to chase uh, Parnell out of the game. And... Um, uh, they also, on uh, one of the the last hit by Yogi Berra, uh, Yogi got the RBI and it was four to three. Um, so new pitcher came in for the Red Sox, Joe Dobson, who was a right-handed pitcher. He was about six foot two. Um, he was fourteen and twelve that year with a three eight five ERA. And so uh, Joe DiMaggio comes up and he hits the ball off of Dobson's glove. Uh, for a base hit, infield single, and the bases were loaded. So that's quite a way for Joe DiMaggio to get on. Of course, Joe DiMaggio, he had had pneumonia, I guess, uh, not long after that. Um, so he was, and he he was he was getting older. So I mean, he wasn't quite the same player, but he found a way to get on base. And so after Joe DiMaggio, Billy Johnson was the next batter for the New York Yankees, and he actually hit into a double play. Which, although he did hit into a double play, um, he still scored the run. And the game was tied 4-4, four to four, and then Hank Barr ended up flying out to end the fifth inning. So the game was tied. It was a brand new game. So then in the sixth and seventh inning, Joe Page shuts down the Boston Red Sox lineup. And in the eighth inning, he works around a Bobby Doerr leadoff single. Bobby Doerr was, a future, of course, Hall of Famer now. And he made his outs uh, on a bunt pop-up that was caught by Yogi Berra and also had a double play. Um, by Phil Rizzuto, who took it himself and threw the first on a 6-6-3 double play. And uh, then in the very next inning, bottom of the eighth, tie game 4-4, four four, Johnny Lindell um, was at the plate, and uh, Johnny Lindell got a high fastball from Joe Dobson, and he pulled it, uh, and um, he hit it for a home run right down the left field line, and the, the Yankees um, took the lead 5-4. And then top of the ninth, Joe Page came back in to close it out. 
and the Yankees won as Joe Page closed it out in a 1-2-3 inning, and the Yankees were able to tie the Red Sox back up on, on and, you know, of course, the last day of the season would be for the division. Um, Joe Page ended up going six-plus six innings for the New York Yankees in relief. Dom DiMaggio made the last out on the uh, ground, uh, ground ball to the shortstop. Joe DiMaggio had two hits. He was two for four, of course, one of them being an infield single. Um, Johnny Lindell, after the game, uh, he had uh, the media was asking him a bunch of questions. And, and one of the things that Johnny Lindell said to the media after the game was the whole thing was McCarthy's fault anyways, which I I guess he was kind of joking with John, uh, Joe McCarthy because uh, Joe McCarthy had actually converted um, Johnny Lindell from a pitcher to um, a position player. I think it was first base he ended up playing um, back in 1942 with the Yankees. So he ended up um, going on to say that, you know, today the shift paid off as for, you know, the shift of him moving from pitcher to outfield. And I guess Eddie Lopat had heard that conversation uh, uh, from Johnny Lindell to the media, and he actually teased, um, teased and told him right then and there. He said, that home run would have been caught in Boston. And Johnny Lindell said, yeah, in the street. So, anyways, I just thought that was kind of funny, um, you know, how they how they kind of joked about that, um, which is probably true because Yankee Stadium back then, um, you know, the dimensions down the line anyway was a lot, a lot shorter than Fenway Park, except obviously you had the Green Monster. But anyways, so October 2nd was the last game of the season in 1949. The Yankees and Red Sox were tied for first place. One Game 154, of course, they only played 154 games back then. Um, so just like this year with the Red Sox-Yankees in the wildcard game, um, obviously it was an extra game because it was a wildcard game. But, you know, right down to the last game, uh, 1978 as well, same thing. So it went right down to the wire. Um, the only thing was this was still a regular season game. It just... Basically had the same, I would imagine, almost had the same sort of feel. Um, of course, this was still kind of back in the Red Sox, the days when they, they just were having a lot of tough luck. Um, but anyways, the two pitchers for that game were Vic Rasky for the New York Yankees. He was a right-handed starting pitcher for the Yankees. Um, Ellis Kinder for the Boston Red Sox. He was a 35-year-old uh, starting pitcher for the Red Sox. And uh, both both of the starters were 20-plus game winners that year. Um, Ellis Kinder won 23 games. He was 23-6 and six with six shutouts. Also, Vic Rasky was actually a native of Springfield, Massachusetts, and he was called the Springfield Rifle. Vic Rasky was also a side armor. Eddie Lopat was also available out of the bullpen. Firuzudo led off with a triple in the game off of um, Ellis Kinder, and he scored on a grounder by... Uh, left-handed hitter and right fielder Tommy Heinrich. Um, no, no more runs for the Yankees off of Kinder through the next seven innings, though. Then after that, Rasky, um, when he went out there, he shut down the Red Sox through eight innings. Basically, you know, he just won up Ellis Kinder. And Ted Williams had no hits um, in that game to that point and uh, to, to, to the eighth, eighth inning. Um, Ellis Kinder got pitched it for though in the eighth inning by Joe McCarthy. Then Mel Parnell came in in the eighth inning. So then Mel Parnell, the previous starting pitcher, um, the the in the in the last game, which was just the day before, came in to pitch in the eighth inning, which was kind of an interesting move. Um, 
So even for back then, I believe. Um, so anyways, on the second pitch, he gave up a home run to Tommy Heinrich, a left-handed hitter. And then after that, Yogi Berra had a single. So then Parnell comes right out of the game. And then now in comes Tex Houston, who came in for Mel Parnell, who only faced two batters, of course. It was very interesting that they even pitched Mel Parnell, considering he started the game you know, against the Yankees the, just the day before. And he was already in, again, again, that that just kind of shows you how different things were in the bullpen. And Casey Stengel really was kind of ahead of his time using a guy like Joe Page the day before on October 1st. And that saying, of the quote that he had mentioned um, after the game when they lost against the Philadelphia A's, how he had wanted, he was glad he was able to save Joe Page for the Red Sox um, is very telling. And it ended up being the reason why the Yankees were able to uh, to put themselves in such a good spot for this game on October 2nd. So, um, Tex Houston was in the game. He got Joe DiMaggio to hit and do a double play. Johnny Lindell and then Billy Johnson both ended up getting singles. And Cliff Mapes got a, a walk, so the bases were loaded. And Jerry Coleman hits a pop fly to center field, two outs, and um, the ball ends up dropping by Al Zaria, the center fielder, who I guess he had gone gone for. He 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 dove, and the ball ended up getting by Al Zaria. Zaria got hurt on the play. All three runners ended up scoring, um, so it was five to nothing, heading into the bottom of the ninth inning, as the Yankee, as the the Red Sox did end up getting out of the inning. Um, so five nothing. Vic Rasky gets Johnny Pesky on a follow out to to lead off the inning. Ted Williams walks, and then Vern Stevens gets a base hit. Bobby Doerr triples to the center fielder, so the Red Sox scored a run right there. And Joe DiMaggio benched himself on that. I guess the play that the ball that was hit by Bobby Doerr was hit to center field. Joe DiMaggio benched himself for missing that fly ball because I guess it was really kind of an easy fly ball that Joe DiMaggio, the younger a younger Joe DiMaggio, definitely would have made, and he. Joe DiMaggio was a very prideful guy. He didn't, if he made a mistake, he was very hard on himself. And, uh, you know, he, he, I guess he, he really did pull himself himself out of the game. And the Yankees had to bring in Cliff Mapes to play center field. Um, so it was a 5-2 ball game still, though. Um, and um, Vic Rasky, um, so he has Al Zaria at the plate, the guy who made the, uh, the diving try for the Red Sox in center field the previous inning. He was uh, he was at the plate and he flies out to the center fielder Cliff Mapes who uh, Cliff Mapes uh, makes the makes the catch and so then Cliff Mapes throws a bullet to home as Bobby Doerr had to stay at third base and he wasn't able to advance but um, so uh, Cliff Mapes already comes in and um, he, he really stopped the momentum right there of the Red Sox Billy Goodman. Then singled for the Red Sox, scoring Bobby Doerr, though. And then, uh, the, so there was two outs, 5-3, to three, um, New York Yankees. The tying run was at the plate, Bertie Tebbets. And Bertie Tebbets, it's a twisting pop fly off of Vic Rasky into foul territory near the right field fence. But then it was caught by Tommy Heinrich in right field and foul territory. And the ball game was over. The Yankees won, and the Yankees went on to win their first Pennant under Casey Stengel as the Yankees manager, of course, winning their first World Series. Um, it was the first of five straight World Series wins um, 
They had they went on a run of five World Series titles in a row, which I believe is the the most in baseball history. Um, that, but like I said, this was not a playing game. This was just it was just a regular season game, and it all stent, kind of stemmed from like I said, uh, left-handed pitcher Joe Page was not used on the, the day before um, when the Yankees lost the division lead to the Red Sox. Um, and, you know, I guess Casey Stengel got a lot of heat from the Boston media about, you know, saying that he really felt like the Yankees were going to beat the tar out of the Red Sox, which is exactly what he said. And he said that, you know, he was glad he was able to save Joe Page, which is good, of course, because obviously he had a lot of confidence in his team. And um, he he basically, Stengel seems like he was like the first, one of the first managers to really have a plan. Um, obviously, I'm sure Joe McCarthy had a plan too in, in certain ways, but... Um, I guess Casey Stengel seems like more definitely seemed more of a strategical style manager. Which the more I um, think about it, I, I I know when I did the top five Yankees managers episode way back, um, like maybe a year and a half ago or so. You can go back; it's um, one of the earlier episodes. Um, anyways, Joe McCarthy, I had him as the best Yankees manager of all time. I think I'm kind of leaning toward Casey Stengel now. Because, um, you know, he ended up winning 12 World Series titles with the New York Yankees. Obviously, he had the players for the Yankees to win the World Series, but he was also um, well-known for, you know, and actually a lot of the players didn't like how the, how Casey Stengel platooned players so much. But he he got, had the Yankees in the World Series every single year in the 50s, except for, like, I think one year he didn't um, was 1954, and there might have been another year, maybe 1959 or something like that regardless every other year he was he was he had the Yankees in the World Series and even 1960 you know they were in the World Series but of course they lost on the game-winning home run to Bill Mazeroski um off of Ralph Terry I believe um however you know this game right here October 2nd October 1st and 2nd Joe DiMaggio Day um of course you know that's kind of historic just for that right there and of course, the Yankees gave Joe DiMaggio everything under the sun, basically. Everything that you can think of, they gave Joe DiMaggio. And, you know, rightfully so, because he was Joe DiMaggio. But at the same time, I I, I would imagine, because I've, what I've heard is I've heard Joe DiMaggio was a very kind of quiet guy who didn't like a whole lot of attention. So I'm, I'm in some ways, I I wouldn't be surprised if Joe DiMaggio kind of th- thought that maybe they should kind of cool it with all the all the attention, all the stuff they gave him. Um, however, um, you know, this I just kind of felt like this was kind of an interesting thing to talk about, especially with uh, this past October with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, and, the, of course, the Red Sox ended up winning. Red Sox have had a lot more success lately than the Yankees. But, you know, like I said in the last episode, you know, that's just kind of how baseball goes and sports goes, you know. Um, sometimes some teams are going to have – are going to be good and sometimes some teams are not going to be as good and lately the Red Sox have been the better team and that's just the way it is the the Red Sox uh, and the Red Sox had a very considering how um how the feeling of Red Sox fans I would it seems like it seems like they they really didn't feel like they had much of a chance before the season but to they kind of had that same type of year like the Yankees had in 2017 where the Yankee fans didn't really expect the Yankees in 2017 to make it, at least I didn't expect the Yankees to make it to the American League Championship Series in 2017. Same type of thing with the Red Sox. I mean, you got to hand it to the Red Sox. They played very, very well. They played. They had a, they had a great year um, just to get to the American League Championship Series. And 
they, you know, they played the, the Astros pretty tough. Um, but anyways, um, so that's it for this week, everybody. Thank you again all for listening. I appreciate it very, very much. Um, also, I, another thing I wanted to mention was that the Yankees ended up beating the Dodgers in 1949 in the World Series. I think it was like in six six games, I believe. And another note I just wanted to mention, uh, the Yankees had 71 players injured or sick in 1949. The Dodgers actually won the pennant on the last day of the season, just like the Yankees did as well. Um, it was the Dodgers and the Cardinals, though. So it must have been an, an exciting time for baseball fans. Anyways, I just want to thank everybody for listening. And one other thing I just wanted to mention before I go is that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Real Talk with Sensei Nick, Movie Theater Time Machine, Free Your Geek, and a bunch of other podcasts. And you can feel free to go to www.4041media.com for more information on all of those podcasts and streamers. And as always, thank you all for listening, everybody. And go Yankees!